0: Of Every time I open that fridge and I make something, it's this overwhelming sense of gratitude and celebration and honor and respect that this animal gave its life for me. And what's also so, so what I think so cool about raising your own meats is that. When you go to a store, they're they're raising animal to butcher and they're only butchering the, the most sellable parts of it. So, so much of that animal is just disposed of. And to me, that's, it's so gross because it's like, when we raise this, we use, uh, that animal sacrificed its life for me. So we're gonna use every single part to honor that animal.
1: Hey, loved ones, welcome to Naked Conversations a space for you and I to meditate, strategize, and dream of the tools needed to transform into radical selves. I'm your host, Martisa Williams, free being, radical wayshore, and liberation doula. My purpose is to support the collective on our journey to deeper joy, sweeter justice, and fulfilling presence. So are you ready to step into your most liberated life yet? Let's get to it. Hi, friends. Over the past year, it has become abundantly clear that our world and our communities are in desperate need of some healing. Between the state-sanctioned murders of dozens of black and brown folks, to climate catastrophe, to the war on folks with uteruses, and all manner of international nightmares, the way we've always done things is killing us. And in the wake of all of this, many of us have felt hopeless and confused. We sign petitions and donate money and post on Instagram, but that honestly just doesn't feel like enough. For years, I have held the belief that transformed people transform the world. The work of freedom and liberation must be done both from the political side and from the shifting of the individual's heart. And for many years, I've been playing with methods of doing this for myself, working on how to unlearn the oppression that I grew up in, how to stop perpetuating that oppression in the world around me, And out of that inquiry and experimentation came the Toolbox. So the Toolbox is an annual membership packed with the tools I've used to make anti-oppression a daily practice. With the 12 month membership, you get unlimited access to all of my embodied liberation workshops, presence practices, group coaching, and more. Pre-sale of the membership starts now. And when you sign up between now and December 31st, you'll receive a free 30-minute one-on-one coaching session with me, regular group coaching calls exclusively from founding members, a free month when you refer a friend, and access to offer direct feedback on the membership as it grows. In an effort to create accessibility, I'm providing this membership with sliding scale pricing. So, you can choose a price that is accessible for you for as low as $39 a month. This is a huge, huge part of my life's work, and I am so excited to share with you. For more information or to become a founding member, click the link in the show notes or go to slash the toolbox. Hello, dear ones, welcome back to our last episode of the season of Naked, season two of Naked Conversations. It has been a good couple of months together and I am so grateful for your ears and your interest and all of the things. Um, And season three will be back in March, I believe. So, spring and fall seasons is what you can expect of eight to 10 episodes. So, it's been a good one. I will just say. If this podcast has been dear to you and has taught you something, please leave a review for it. Um, It means a lot in like the ratings and how it gets seen and all of that. So it would mean so much to me if you would leave a review, leave five stars, um, any of that. If you would share it to your social media folks and um, text it to a friend all of that would mean a lot to me um, and help us grow and also specifically help us get noticed by bigger and bigger guests. Um, So yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you for being here with me. I'm so grateful for that. Um, And then the last thing I will say before I get into the show is that the toolbox is still available for presale. Um, So if you are interested in being in deeper relationship with me, in um, cultivating a life that is characterized by liberation and freedom and joy and looking for a way to um, be in deeper alignment with your values, with the values, if your values are abolition and freedom and joy and equality um, and anti-oppression. Um, then this toolbox may be something that you'd be interested in bringing into your repertoire and bringing into your daily practice. Because my big dream is just to help support everyone, myself included, in building a life that is characterized by liberation and one that is a day-to-day, making liberation a day-to-day practice. Um, So if that's something you're interested in, the uh, link to that is in the show notes, so you can go to letsgetnaked.com slash the toolbox. Let's get into today's episode, shall we? So today we talk with three-time entrepreneur Caitlin Smith of Caitlin Curiosity, um, she is an intentional entrepreneur that helps other intentional entre- entrepreneurs cultivate a deeply rooted community in a digital sphere and to create financial sustain- sustainability for their businesses. Her intention is to share a life of simplicity, nature, ritual, and repose. And is, she's dedicated to following her curiosity in both home and business. I have been following Caitlin for a few years now, and we became uh, kind of internet friends, as you do these days. And I was excited to have this conversation with her because she is really into homesteading, as am I. Um, and both of us are very Beginners on this journey. She's a little bit further ahead than I am. And she had recently started, I had heard on her podcast in repose that she was raising animals and raising pigs. And, um, but like exploring the tension between loving her animals and raising them for meat. And um, I just thought it was fascinating and interesting because it, it was something that I have also been. Um, Not struggling with, but uh, grappling with, going over and over in my mind with. And so I invited her on to the podcast to have specifically a conversation about homesteading, but then we also got into intentional business and social media and burnout and all of that type of thing. So in this This episode, we talk about her wellness journey and her journey to homesteading. We talk about how spiritual of a practice it is to grow food and grow your own food and the beauty of abundance and the feeling of enoughness that you find in doing so. And then we get into the hard tension of both loving animals and raising them for meat and how that is... Difficult and and contradictory, and still something that we are struggling with and working with and grappling with. And then we get into her intentional business and how to run intentional businesses and her um, journey with that. And then we get into social media and burnout and having to perform. And we talk about um, stuff that is lighting her up right now. Um, and it was such a lovely conversation between friends and just kind of moving. Along these random threads, but all under this guise of living an intentional life. So, I hope you enjoy this episode, and I will see you on the other side.
0: Hello, hello! Oh, hi, Martisa. How are you? Oh, We've I'm... been, like,
1: talking <laughs> <offline>. <laughs>
0: oh I'm so it's warm here today but I'm doing well soaking up the sun and just grounding down how are you feeling today
1: I'm fantastic I'm fantastic I like didn't work out today and my body was like you sore girl sit your (laughs) ass down so (laughs) I did a little yin yoga and I'm like feeling fantastic I was like I don't even know how I'm going to be able to do this interview because I'm like in the other realm right now so (laughs) a good hot shower got me together but I'm amazing thank you for asking Uh, I'm so excited to have you on it's so funny because anytime I'm doing these interviews I'm like we are already in conversation prior to hitting record and then the listeners are like get this kind of second wave of conversation um, so I'm super excited to have this conversation with you and just to talk about your journey with homesteading and overall intentional living. Um, but I'm going to start it off with the question I ask all my guests, and what that is: what made you you?
0: I love this question. So I am someone who doesn't. I was thinking about this question because I knew you're going to ask it, and I am someone who's who what makes me me and what has led me to being where I am is learning through experience and not through, I'm not someone who does it by the book. I don't learn from the book. And so I was thinking about the collective experiences that have kind of led to this space. So I was born and raised in Phoenix, Arizona, and that's where I lived for 29 years in the suburbs. And I try and think back to, like we were talking about, when was that seed planted for homesteading and this intentional living? And I grew up in a very suburban house and we didn't have a garden. Uh, Healthy eating wasn't a way of life for us. It was fast food and eating out and quick meals. And one thing I always remember is loving being outside and loving. I was obsessed with animals, like from a very young age. And I think especially because I was very shy, very outcast, very, didn't have a lot of friends that animals were my best friends. Those were mm-hmm. like my closest companions. And as I got older, it just kind of evolved. And Once I was, I stayed in Phoenix, Arizona till I was about 20 years old. And the partner I had at the time, he had a family that lived in Virginia and they had an organic vegetable farm. And I wasn't doing shit with my life. I dropped out of college. I had no idea what I was doing. I did work for an animal shelter, which I really, really loved. But I was like, I don't have anything going on. I'll go with you. So we packed up our stuff and we went and spent the summer out in Virginia for a few months living on the farm. And it's the most life-changing experience I've ever had, because I really went from being so lost, so confused. And I came from the relationship I have with my body before that was having sexual trauma, having no relationship, hating my body, abusing my body, years of disordered eating. And when I was introduced to farming and seeing, taking the seed and putting it in the soil and taking care of it and raising it and harvesting it and It was like it immediately dissolved any of those, those feelings of how could food be guilty when, when I literally grew it myself? How could I attach guilt and shame to that when I, this is life, like this is actual life. And so Mm -hmm. it completely shifted my path into becoming obsessed with farming and then juicing and nutrition. And so when we moved back to Phoenix, we started our own little urban farm, sold at the farmer's markets. And I went to a little holistic school for holistic nutrition. Uh, We ended up parting ways and I stayed within the wellness field. So I left the farm, but I stayed in the field, working for chiropractors and naturopaths and catering companies and juicing companies. I just wanted every experience I could with that, and this was before wellness was like really the Instagram wellness we see today. It was not cool. Mm-hmm. It was super granola. When we were farming, we were always, cause I was 21 at the time. We we're always the youngest people there by like generations. It was always like 50 and 60 year olds. And we were just 20 year old farmers. And <laughs> it's, it's, it's just been, I just don't, sometimes I don't even have words and I feel really lucky to where I am now because I live on a hundred acre ranch. And so I have this space to grow my own food again. We raised our own pigs last year, which was, I've only ever raised my own vegetables. So, and I've had chickens before for eggs, but we didn't eat them for meat. So taking that next step into raising an animal and going into it with the intention of, I know what we're going to do at the end of this, but still loving and connecting with that animal every single day up until that point was another one of those experiences that still it's, it's so wild to me because it's like, I mean, I'm sure, you know, when you go into the garden or you open up that fridge from like a farmer's market hall, there's just such gratitude with the food that you're Mm -hmm. eating. It's, Mm -hmm. it's so beautiful. And again, like it really, whenever I have those old disorder thoughts come up, it just, that's the thing that dissolves it for me is if I'm connecting with my body in a way that feels really good and I'm growing my own food and raising that own food, it just dissolves everything. And yeah, deep, deep, immense gratitude. Every time I open that fridge. I love that. I love that. I think of, I
1: want to absolutely talk about the raising meat, raising animals for meat purposes. Um, because living in that tension is something that I have been really interested in and kind of living in as well. But um, before we get there, thinking about the gratitude practice of raising food, like it's huge, it's Mm. huge. Like I can just think about like grabbing a cherry tomato off of one of my vines and thinking like, oh my gosh, you know how much work this Mm. plant had to put into this one tomato and like how like there's like some level of like deep magic in grabbing that tomato off of that vine and tasting it and tasting all of the history of the soil and the work that you put in and the work that the sun put in And work that all the microorganisms in the soil put in like it's just insane that we do not have that presence around when we are um, going to grocery store to like grab a, a plastic carton of cherry tomatoes, you know it's like not the same experience.
0: No, and you know what's so funny is it reminds me of the YouTube channel that we connected over, which is a homesteading yes. YouTube channel. And she had an episode that was like titled "We're Rich in Tomatoes" or something. And and I'm gonna kind of butcher sum up what she said, but it was, I, I know I have been at a point where I was I could not afford to just go to the grocery store and get the organic produce and have pounds of it in my house. And she was mm-hmm. talking about, like, she had these buckets and buckets of tomatoes. And she was just having, expressing this gratitude for, like, I like, think of how much this would cost the store. I would have never been able to make that possible, but I'm rich and abundant in my produce. And that is, yes. it's just, it's such a, it's such a beautiful feeling of like, yeah, I couldn't go to the store and buy all of this because it costs so much, but to grow it and to have that deep connection to it and to be rich and abundant in produce feels so good. Uh,
1: I love that. I love that. I think that that's the thing about, like, I often think about what would be different if um, more, let's just say Americans had deeper relationships with the earth. Like, Reciprocal relationships with the land underneath their feet, because I often I like I struggle with like a scarcity mindset often so like I struggle with like money stuff and blah 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 blah. But there's something about being in the garden there's something about going for a hike that like soothes that in me in a way that like nothing else has ever Mm. where it's like the earth is deeply abundant and when we know how to be in reciprocal relationship with it we can like be abundant in produce we can be abundant in like one day I was out when I lived in New York I was out harvesting mugwort and I was like I've there's like fields (laughs) of mugwort in here like there's just forever like I can have medicine forever but also like I'm grateful because I get to just have enough for me and enough Mm. for all the other beings that will partake and enough for the earth to reseed itself. And so there's something so beautiful about that practice and that presence that almost like, it's not intellectual. It's Mm -hmm. so, so spiritual. It's so like, you just, it's by osmosis that you experience that when you're in the land.
0: Oh, oh, I love that. So I just (laughs) had like all the feels and it's, it's so funny because for me, I get, I'm not like a heady, airy person. So like for me, spirituality really is exactly what you said. It's just ground, like the more grounded I am, the more connected to the land I am, the more connected to source or to abundance that I feel like I can't, if I try and get in my head about it or connect to something like higher, it just it doesn't resonate for me. It's really hard. I feel like yeah. whoa, I, I'm floating in space. Where am I going? Like I have to have feet on the <laughs> ground in nature. And I'm like, oh, this is it. Like that is that connection. I love it. For I love sure. what you said.
1: For sure, for sure. Oh my God.
0: Um. So let's talk about
1: raising meat, raising animals for meat. Um. Because you said that it's, you know, you have a deep relationship with animals ever since you were young. And I, I have, I guess, a little bit of my story and I've told it on the podcast before, but I have gone back and forth between vegan, vegetarian and meeting, eating meat for the last 10 years almost. And so, um, less within the last like three or four years and, um, what i think is interesting about that is because i have a deep relationship with animals and i have a deep reverence for the earth so i want to protect it and i know eating meat is deeply can be deep in the industrial food complex way Mm. is can be deeply scarring to the earth um but my body needs it Mm. when i think about what my body needs to feel nourished um Good quality animal products is something that it does, it needs. And so um, it's hard because I started, I decided after um, my last time being vegan, I was like, if I'm going to eat meat, I'm going to know what it takes to process that and to be in the landscape with it. And so I started getting into hunting and wanting to um, learn that process. And so on my first hunt, we went squirrel hunting. And so I was in the landscape with these cute little ass squirrels with these bushy tails running around. (laughs) And I had to attempt to take one of these squirrels, not had to, but I was choosing to attempt to take one of these squirrels. And like being in that tension of having deep reverence. Like I, my reverence for squirrels heightened through that experience mm. because I had never, like I just knew them in this east side of Detroit running around trees, going in your trash, whatever. <laughs> but being in their landscape, it completely changed it for me. Cause I was like, you guys are so smart and I see what you eat and I know how you hide and how you stay away from predators. And I know what your life looks like now now I have this deeply intimate relationship with you. And our relationship gets deeper because I'm going to attempt to eat you. Mm-hmm. And so that like that tension for me has been crazy to like stand in the middle of. So I'm interested to kind of know your process with that.
0: I, I love that you experimented with that because we've gone about this two different ways. We've raised our own pigs for for butcher and my my partner Daniel um hunts elk during the winter so he puts in for a tag and if he gets it he gets and we also did deer last year too and this is something i've never talked about because i'm hunting is such an it's something that i still don't feel like i know a whole lot about and there's a lot of like stigmas and dogmas and like stereotypes within the hunting world so i've never really spoken about it but i love that you shared your experience so we were, when when Daniel went to go hunting last year, and this is before we had butchered our pigs, so we were raising them, but we hadn't gotten to that part of the journey yet. It was, we had a lot of conversations around it because him and I view animals the same way. And, and some of the people that I get, I think this is where the stereotypes come from, because some of the industry with hunting, it's very... there's no respect for the animal. There's no, Mm -hmm. there's Mm -hmm. none. It's just this like showy, look what I did. Look what I killed. Take a picture of me. And it, that to us is so disgusting and repelling because that animal deserves so much more than that. And it gave its life for you. And there should be some damn respect there. And so we had a really hard time because Daniel was really struggling with like, I don't want to kill this thing. I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't want to, I don't, but if we're going to, we made the conscious decision together that if we are going to eat meat, this is the way that we are going to do it. And I think there's a few different, there's so many different things. Some of the judgments that I faced in talking about it, some are from, um, a vegan or plant-based, Mindset, which I have been raw vegan, I have been vegan, I have been plant, like I have gone through that whole journey. So I completely understand it. And then some of them are from meat eaters who just choose to shop factory farm meat at the grocery store, never have to indul- engage in that journey at all. And they feel like they're, oh, I could never do what you did. I love animals mm-hmm. too much. And that mm-hmm. was the more frustrating judgment to deal with. Yes. I'm, like, I'm like, you know, that's the easy way out. And I, you know, I get a little fired up about that route. So I understand. <laughs> but so we hunted elk and deer last year. And so what ends up happening is that uh, we, for the deer, we had a tag on the property. So we brought it up, we hang the meat and we do all of the butchering here. And the same goes with the elk. So there's more of an involved process in that. And and there's actual, Daniel participated in the killing of that. And that was a deeply spiritual experience and just giving the animal so much respect and doing it responsibly and then when it came to the pigs because that was his experience so i'll talk to my experience with the pigs i had watched this i don't know if you've ever watched chef's table on netflix but i was obsessed (laughs) with it for a while and there was this one episode so it's like really beautifully shot um, of all these different chefs from all around the world and there was one and he was in this like tiny town in italy And he had this butcher shop and small restaurant. And I fell in love with his approach. He was a man who deeply loved animals. And he was telling his story of, I thought I wanted to be a veterinarian, but then I learned all you do is work with sick animals. So so then I wanted to find a way to work with animals. And, um, and combine my love of cooking because his family had been in cooking. So it's all to say, I was so inspired to see a butcher who respected and loved the animal so much. And I had never witnessed that. I've always witnessed, even with homesteading, I find it difficult to find people who talk about homesteading in, in the meat part of it and killing the animal in a way that oftentimes feels really cold to me because I feel so yeah. connected to the animal. It's like, what you're going to do is this, so you're going to kill it. They're going to hate it. And it just felt like, Whoa, Whoa, like, Whoa, like what happened to the months that I spent connecting with the animal and all those emotions yeah. that go into that. And so I, when, when, when I saw that, I had this like, Crazy idea of I want to be a pig farmer. I told Daniel, I was like, I want to be a pig farmer, and he's like, What? I'm like, I want pigs, I want to be a pig farmer. So he's like, Whatever, okay. And we rent, so <laughs> he's like, She won't get like, we rent, so we're not going to be pig farmers until maybe one day, Caitlin. It's like my right. Jersey cow. I'm going to get my Jersey cow when we get the yes, house. Yes. <laughs> so a few months later our landlord approached us because we were asking him about where we could buy um shares because we're so privileged we're located by so many ranches that we have access to buying like um whole cows half cows whole pig half pig and after going through the cost he's like well it's probably gonna it's gonna cost you quite a bit to do that you could just have pigs here i would be okay with that and so the idea the, well, the opportunity came to me. And so I was like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to grab that opportunity. I'm going to take it because
1: I I want (laughs) to be a pig farmer.
0: So so we got our three pigs and it was always because Daniel works um, in the the mountains a lot of the time that it was always communicated between us that, yes, we were doing this together, but I would be their main, like caretaker. And that's what I wanted because that's what I love to do is if I could just Mm -hmm. get paid to take care of animals all day, that's all I would do. But so we got them. And this was, gosh, it was right around when COVID was really breaking out. And what ended up happening, and we kind of spoke about this before we started recording, what ended up happening is everyone started to want to become a homesteader and they started getting chickens and pigs. So one, it was really hard to even find pigs because apparently everyone was buying them all of a sudden. And two, the other problem that we faced later on down the road is we ended up having to keep them like three months after we wanted to, like you can butcher around six months and that would have been right before winter. We didn't wanna keep them through winter because it's really hard here for them. But because so many people panicked and were doing gardens and pigs and everything, and we only have one butcher that services like all of the county. It was really, really hard to find a butcher. So it was a really interesting time to get them because apparently it was going, like everyone was kind of in that mode of trying to be, trying to take care of themselves during, during COVID. So um, back to the pigs, it was, it was such a beautiful experience it was also like you said that tension because I never it's such a weird knowing of going into it knowing I'm going to raise these things to kill them and you Mm -hmm. know that you tell yourself okay like we're gonna okay three months out six months out we have the date on the calendar blah like you know this but it's as the days went on, it would get, it got, it definitely got harder and harder. And I always told myself that I would, the easy way out for me, the selfish, easy way out would to be not to name them, not to connect with them, not to bond with them, not to love them, because that would be easier for me then. So then on butcher day, we could just get them done. I wouldn't have any connection. There we go. But That's not the route I wanted to take. I wanted to, to, I got these pigs because I wanted to give them the best life that I possibly could. And so I made that commitment even when it felt really, really fucking hard. And every day i it, and it's, this is what gets confusing because it's a weird statement to say, I loved them as if I love my dogs, because then I'm sure mm-hmm. there's people like, well, why you wouldn't kill your dog, would you? And it's like, right. I get that. I get, I it's confusing for me. I understand right. it's doesn't, it's not like that makes sense to me, but that was how I treated them. And when it came to butcher time, we found the most incredible, we didn't want to do it ourselves because it would have, they would have suffered. We would have been sloppy Mm. because we had never done that before. And that to me is not worth learning a new skill for me this year. So that, so they're running around suffering. That's not, that's not what I signed up for. So we found the best possible place that we could. And they did such a beautiful job. They were so kind with them and loaded them in. It was such a clean establishment. And I'd, (laughs) told myself while I was there, I was like, do not cry while you're here. Do not cry in public. Like you can do this when you get home. And we went through the whole process with them and they, they really could see that we were both Daniel and I were so sensitive about it. And we got back and I, I mourned them for probably two weeks. And it still makes me so Mm. emotional to think about because it was so, it's so confusing. It doesn't, how it's so confusing is the only way I can describe it. It's like my brain goes back and forth between this deep love for them and, and feeling like I'm playing God somehow it felt so fucked up and confusing Mm. to me. And like, is this worth it? I don't, I don't know. And so it took a few weeks before we got the meat back and we went and picked it up and they did a beautiful job. And it was that same sense that I was talking that We were talking about that gratitude when you go to pick a cherry tomato on an even deeper level of, Mm -hmm. of every time I open that fridge and I make something, it's this overwhelming sense of gratitude and celebration and honor and respect that this animal gave its life for me. And what's also so, so what I think so cool about raising your own meats is that when you go to a store they're they're raising animal to butcher and they're only butchering the the most sellable parts of it. So, so much of that animal is just disposed of. And to me, that's, it's so gross because it's like, when we raise this, we use uh, that animal sacrificed its life for me. So we're going to use every single part to honor that animal. And it just, it lights a fire in me. And now having, it's been a few months since that, since we've, butchered them and have them eat. And I've like been able to process this a bit more. I would do it again. I would absolutely do it again. And I would do it even better. And I would give them an even better, like you learned so much about the space they take up and like rotating them through, um, different grazing areas so that they're, they're living off the land and they're having, it's just, it's such a beautiful experience. And I, part of me wishes that everyone, I I do. I do wish that everyone could experience it because a lot less people would eat meats. And that's a great thing because we just because we have this meat doesn't mean we're like, yeah, I'm having meat eaters, everyone should eat meat. No, not. In, it's not for everybody's body. And it would it would yeah. it would. A lot less people would eat meat and see that they don't need me, and a lot, there wouldn't be any fucking factory farming going on. So it would be so much more beneficial if everyone could experience this because it's not for everyone. It is incredibly difficult, but it is, it, that's, that's what life is. Like I'm not. I'm not turning a blind eye and just going to the grocery store and picking up this meat. I'm, I connected to that animal. I went through this with them and now I celebrate them every damn time I open that fridge. And that to me is what it's all for and what it's all about. Hi, hey, beautiful
1: ones. I'm pausing this episode quickly to let you know about a couple of ways that you can work with me. I am a liberation doula, which means that my work surrounds around helping folks to birth their most joyful, liberated lives. What does it look like to be free? What does it look like to practice freedom daily? And what does it look like to orient yourself Towards personal and collective liberation so in order to support people in their liberation I have two ways to work with me one-on-one the first is through liberation coaching which is one-off coaching you can go onto my website and sign up for a, a, a session it's one hour where we can talk about anything that is pressing in your life or that is uh, coming up for you questions that you want to answer or something that you want to workshop it's a great opportunity for just kind of like anything that's coming up and you would like to talk with me about it or workshop it with me it's a great way to do that the other option is through the journey intensive coaching program which is a 3 to 12 month coaching intensive where i walk you through my framework for liberation This framework is something I've been working on for many, many years, and I say often is an extension of the work that my ancestors have worked on for centuries. I have boiled it down to a three-part framework, which is alignment, embodiment, and connection. First, we will walk through what is your dream for your freedom, what is the dream for your life, if you could have a full imagination about what is possible. Um, let's play and be in that space. And then we evaluate your values, see what is working for you, what isn't working for you. And then are you living in alignment to those values? And then we work through what it looks like to be an embodiment of those values, an embodiment of your intuition. And then we move into the connection piece, which is all about anti oppressions and the ways that we live out the systems of oppressions daily through the ways that we talk, the ways that we walk, the choices that we make, and things that we support. And how do we undo that? How do we remove those things from our embodied program? Um, And that's what we work through with the Coaching Intensive, which is a really beautiful opportunity to dig deep into your liberation and to create frameworks and systems for that. So if you're interested in working with me one-on-one, you can do that through the link in the show notes or go to letsgetnaked.com slash coaching. Now let's get back to the episode. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I love that. I think that like what I was hearing is just like, to not get too philosophical here. (laughs) Um, But like we, uh, living in that tension, I think is something that in our modern world, we have a, we don't even have the capacity. We don't have the uh, tools to Mm -hmm. know how to navigate. And like you saying, like, I don't even know. Like, you're like, I don't even know. I know this sounds contradictory and I don't even know. And I'm like, can it just be that? Like at yeah. least that was my experience. You're like it can just be that like this is messy, and like it's always been messy. Mm. Like we have this idea that like we're we're above the food chain. Yes, you know, mm. and like a few hundred years ago, not the case. Even even just a few, few hundred years ago, within the mm. Farming industry, not the case. Even we go even further back when in hunter-gatherer situations in indigenous contexts, not the case. Mm. And so I often think of it off as like our narcissism around our place in the world and our aboveness mm. in the world that like keeps us from needing to sit in the tension of being in love and in relationship and in death as well. Mm. And like, it's hard, it's messy, it's not cute, it's not fun and it's painful
0: and that's life. And that's life. Yeah, and that's life. Yes. yeah, Yep. I think it's a great, I think it's such a great like
1: practice. Mm. I think the practice of being in relationship to our foods in very deep ways um, is beautiful. Have you done any research in like indigenous practices of raising animals and or not raising animals but butchering animals and things and gardening and cultivating the land?
0: No, but I would I would love to. I would I would love to and especially I'm really curious because I learned a bit more my my nona just recently passed and I am Hispanic on her side and the more we were learning about just our own roots is that they come from an indi- indigenous part of Mexico and so I'm so curious about learning just on a personal level about my own, what, what do I come from? And, and just yeah, especially and where we're located. There's so, we're, we're so close to Nez Pierce and there's so many beautiful indigenous practices so nearby that yes, I need to absolutely educate myself more on because I would love to love to and need to.
1: Yeah. It's something that I'm also like needing to do more research in uh, one book that's really good is Braiding Sweet Grass. Yes. Um, yeah. And so like that's like I it changed me because I'd heard before like the language of animacy, and I've also talked about this in the podcast before, but um, it shifted my my beliefs or my um, views on raising meat and raising a garden because indigenous peoples, they 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 spoke to all the other species on the planet as people Mm. and so there was this kind of no like like they said like the tree people or the maple nation or um the frog people or whatever and I think that that's really so beautiful because it was also no separation between animals and, and the plants yes and I'm like you know from being in your garden there is deep communion with those plants deep communion in ways that for me seems as intimate as the animals that I get to be in relationship with
0: absolutely and so
1: like that hierarchy is also weird and I feel like we sit at an interesting tension between
0: yeah I I was thinking about that this morning of that the plants that are in my garden are every bit as a living being as the animals as me so why why is this their hierarchy of like, you eat meat bad, you eat vegetables good. It's like, I, mm, there's, there's really harmful, <laughs> there's really harmful practices when it comes to, and, and because I was in farming sometimes like I'm not the expert, but I love regenerative farming and there's so much mm-hmm. misinformation. And I think because I'm in the wellness industry, I also feel this tension because there's so much misinformation about vegan products or this like impossible meat solution where I'm like, but do you understand the farming practices that go into creating this faux meat and the GMOs and the harm that it does on the environment? Because it's right up there with fucking factory farming for me. So it's like the answer, it's like, we keep, we just keep, Going between all these ugh, commercialized farming that just drives me nuts because the solution really is the small farms and our local communities and our backyard gardens and doing it in a way that is regenerative to the soil and to the earth. And it's like, oh my God. It's yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes.
1: All that. <laughs> all that. <laughs> Thank you for indulging me in that conversation and being so open and vulnerable about your experience with the pigs. Cause I know it's not not easy to talk about
0: it's I I have I recorded a podcast episode on over at my podcast and I went into it with like these are the things that I want to touch on I was sobbing you could hear the snot (laughs) running like it was (laughs) kind of disgusting, (laughs) but I was like, but this is, I don't see this in the homesteading world. I don't see this in the, like, I don't see, this is what I feel. And if it, if it cracks the door open, even just a little bit for someone else of like, I love animals, but I also know that meat meat works with my body. So how do I wear, Mm -hmm. like you said, having more acceptance of that tension of this is messy. This is hard, but this is life. And so I just left it as it was. And it was really, I got to have some really cool conversations with people who were especially like very vegan plant-based animal lovers who were like, wow, I never thought about it like that. I never Mm. thought someone who butchers their own meat also simultaneously loved that thing. And thank you so much for sharing that. And like, that's what we're here to do with these conversations that feel messy and hard and confusing and tense. It's like, no, that that's it. That's you're right. We always, we want this, like, it's like this constant labeling and boxes and I want it to be like black or white, but it's like, no life is the gray area. That is, we are in the gray area almost at all times. (laughs) Yes,
1: yes, absolutely. And it was a beautiful episode. Like any (laughs) listeners, please go over and listen to Caitlin's episode, um, on her podcast in repose um, all that will be linked in the show notes and things. But because um, it was beautiful, like to hear you be in an emotional space around that, again, it is the life. It is the, the beauty and the pain and the grief and all of that. And um, I think where we have misstepped, we've had the misstep is thinking that it needs to be clean or we need to be detached from it. And like, mm. I actually just think we need to be so fully in all of that um, to honor it in the ways that it's supposed to be honored. Um, to shift a little bit, let's talk about intentional living in other areas. What, how are you living intentionally these days, um, from your business to your coffee tonics, to your food, to all of it? Like, tell me what's really getting you going in that world right now.
0: Oh my gosh. So, I'll start with business because those are always like the two business and home. Business and home are the things that I have. <laughs> <laughs> so I okay, in the business right now, I I am someone who kind of like swaying on the pendulum of I've been in the world of entrepreneurship for 10 years and in the industry of wellness for 10 years. And so I would go from one side of the extreme of like, I'm only going to create from a place of intuition and like, what feels good to me. And I would put something out into the world and it would fucking fail. And I wouldn't be able to pay my rent. and I wouldn't be able to put food on my table and so I was yeah. like, oh, and I did that for a really long time. And then I would try and follow other people's rules of like, you're just not listening in these ways, or you're just not doing it in these ways. So I went on that journey for a long time. And then I saw into to the other end of the spectrum, it's like, well, I'm gonna research SEO and sales funnels and systems and strategies. And that worked because they work, but it was still mm-hmm. missing that, that that energy component, that the part that makes me me, that that intuition, that whatever you wanna call it. And so I've combined them both in my business where it's like we celebrate our intuition and what lights us up and what feels good and we only create from from that organic place is what i like to call it but then we have these systems in the back end that are strategic and that work for us so that i'm not i'm not working for instagram like instagram is working for me or i'm not working for i'm not the one i felt so burnt out and i think it's such a weird i know when i first moved here because i came from such a big city to a town of 200 people and being fully in nature i I had this like again. I was like swinging to extremes of I don't want anything to do with technology. I don't want. I just want to be here with with my blue light blockers, my incandescent light bulbs, (laughs) and grounded in the earth. And like, fuck technology. And I got really resentful. But then I was like, Caitlin, hold on. It's allowed you (laughs) to work from this tiny remote cabin. It allows you to create more impact. So. I feel like I finally reached this place and of course my path will t- continue to grow and evolve, but I really have come to this place in my business of, of using the digital world as a tool and doing it with intention, but also using strategies that are going to always work for me. So that is like, it's, it's such a weird. And it's also, I will say too, because I was always someone who felt like, I had to monetize my passions. Like, well, if you Mm. want to do homesteading full-time, then like you got to like go sell the market and sell, you got to create a product, you got to do this. But I've created enough businesses from that place to know it creates so much pressure and it starts to- that thing that I loved so much, then now starts to feel, I feel pressured. I feel like I should be do, do, doing, I feel like it's got to make money. If it's not making money, then it's, then it's not serving me or it's not successful. Or why am I doing it? And it starts that whole thing. When instead I could say, okay, I really love, I call it digital marketing, but it's, it's, that's, I guess the easiest way to describe it. But I really love doing that. I'm good at building systems. I feel like I love to teach them. And that way my homesteading practices are just for me. Like growing food is just for me. And it's not this pressure to go out there and sell and make it something that it's not or create the YouTube. And maybe that's something I'll do at some point if it feels fun, but I don't, I don't want to sign up for things that then create this pressure and take things that I love into things that I resent and don't look forward to anymore. And it burned me out, and ultimately, like it's just gonna burn me out. So I'm, I've really been intentional in that space of like, this is what I'm here to monetize. This is what's just for me. And I think especially in this social media sphere, I was someone who used to overshare everything a lot because I, a lot of us are. And I had to go, I had to go back to this place of no. There's things that are in my life just for me. They're not here for me to take pictures of or create content of, or and and cre- like so I really only share about like 20% of my life at this point and 80% is just for me, just for my partner, just for my eyes. And that feels really nourishing because I started to, I like, couldn't see the world around me anymore. It was just, it it was like, you, you just would see the content or the money that it was supposed Mm -hmm. to make or the sales Mm -hmm. that it was supposed to have, or the likes that it was supposed to have. And it was, it became really, really twisted. So I feel like I, I've spent the past two years just like sweating <laughs> from different ends of the pendulum. And I've kind of ended up here.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. It's awesome. Um, I don't know how long I have been following your journey. It feels like it's been for the last couple years, at least mm. it's been, it's been a while, um, since I've been kind of like in the background lurking a little bit <laughs> <laughs> and, um, I know for me, and you didn't ask me for this, for this at all, but I have found that like where you're at right now is really compelling for me, and it resonates really mm. deeply for me. And I think it is just that trying to find that sweet spot um, between the two, because I think that you know we're so used to like a performance economy, just mm. but in like internally a performance econ- economy internally where it's like, we've got to show up in a very specific way and we've got to be making in a very specific way and we got to be producing from a very specific way. And um, I too have, um, my business has gone through so many morphs over and over and over again from a place of like, oh, I love this thing. And then I get burnt out trying to like make this thing like pay my bills um, and it never paid my bills. And so and so it's like it's it's so refreshing to be able to hear that perspective from someone and and to get tools from it like intentional income for the listeners who don't know um intentional income is caitlin's program about digital marketing and creating those back-end systems and i'll let you really talk about that but um when i did it recently it was so nourishing to be like, okay, I'm a, I'm a strategic mind. So that was yes. amazing to be able to have that on top of the fact that it's like, I don't have to burn myself out with this like constant producing and checking in and da, 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 da. So thank you for that.
0: Oh, thank you. It's, it's, I always get so blown away by the, the community that I'm in and I'm surrounded by and I, I'm not someone who does, I don't feel like I thrive in one-on-ones. Like that was something I think when I started my business, I felt like, well, I saw everybody offering one-on-ones, so I tried one-on-ones, but I don't feel like I thrive there. And the place that I feel most nourished and that I feel like I can give the most is in a group setting. And this last one in particular that you were a part of was it's so, I'm just blown away by how many people there are in this world taking that step in, in standing in their leadership and their power and bringing, bringing to life such an impactful business. And I think what fires me up is, is I was starting to see, and I experienced it. I fucking failed so many times and was (laughs) broke for so long. And especially in this like more intuitive world of wellness, it was, it was like, you have all these, be- not you, but every- the, the people mm-hmm. that I see have these beautiful gifts, but they weren't sure how to express them or weren't sure how to build out a sales page or weren't sure how to build out an email workflow. And I'm like, I, what I want to see, like what I want to be surrounded by is businesses like yours and like everyone in the community that are fucking making money and creating impact and thriving. Like I'm again, I don't need to see more billionaires shooting off to space. It's like, I want to see people with purpose making money. And it's like, okay. And it does take systems to get there, but you, it also takes your beautiful, intuitive offerings and gifts and what comes naturally to you. Like one thing that I would witness is that we would have this obsession with, with like, okay, TikTok is the new platform. So I need to be on TikTok and Instagram is, the, it reels, it's gotta, that's where I gotta be. And like Clubhouse is where I gotta, it's like this constant, we are working for all of these systems when instead it's like, what, how do I express myself in the most natural, impactful way and what feels really good? And what if I just leaned into that? And then I had these systems in the back end that like hustle for me, that I'm not having to do shit. And it's so it's so, so beautiful to just witness more entrepreneurs stop hustling for all these apps and instead take back the power from themselves and say, no, this is the way that feels best to express for me. And they lean into that and, and to just, I just want to see more of us getting paid. Like at the end of the day, it's like, I just want to see more of us getting paid. And so they're there. Yes, that's it. I just want to be surrounded by more of our businesses. Truly.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes. <sighs> I love that so much. I love, love, love that so much. Um, what else in the intentional realm, like talk to me about what's lighting you up right now and making you super giddy.
0: Oh my goodness. It's the thing that I'm obsessed with (laughs) truly is so we're, my partner and I are buying our first house together and that is such a process and it's, it's a horrible time in the market. It's really hard. Everything's overpriced yes, but I am so hopeful. And so I have waited. <laughs> I waited so long. And this is like another thing that with my business is like, I never wanted to scale. Like my intention in scaling my business wasn't more overhead, more people, more, 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 more things, more material objects. Like truly my goal, when I think of scaling my business is I want to make money so I can spend my days homesteading and building and like milking the cow and making the freaking butter and collecting the eggs and tending to the garden and perhaps raising some children. But for now, the animals are like my first and foremost dream. So that's always been like my goal when it comes to scaling. And we've gotten to that place of it's, I feel so proud that we're at a place where we can look into buying our first home and getting to set those systems up. And of course it's like, of course you can do it when you're renting in any way that you can, but it's just, it feels like a really great, I'm really proud of how far we've come And Daniel, my partner is, is very similar in the way that he runs his business and he's worked really hard to get to this point and is very intentional and we're by no means like at the level that we want to be. Like we have so much room for growth, but to even be at that first stage of like, oh my gosh, we actually get to buy a property. And that cow that I've been talking about for the past year, like could be a possibility <laughs> in the next six months. Like I'm literally, <laughs> I was on like, um, so like our small community is like very connected through Facebook. And I'm always trying to find like goat milk farmers and like, where can I get the hookup? And I'm like, no, I'm so yes. ready to have the goat or have the cow. Or... Yes. So we're in the, yes. we're in the home buying process and just thinking about the greenhouse. Uh, it's just, it feels so, 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 so good. And maybe that's like a very selfish answer of like, that's where I'm at intentionally. But, and then just that's the great. business, the business is, this is the first time truly in my business that I feel that the foundations are set. <laughs> it's taken, it's taken so long. And some people are really quick to that point, And I was not, and it will forever evolve and grow, but to feel it's I, again, to use that word, I feel at this place of being really grounded of like, we get to mm-hmm. set some roots with this house that we're buying. My business feels like it has some roots and that feels really, really peaceful, really peaceful and really exciting. And just the possibility of getting to see some of our family this year that we didn't get to see last year with COVID. And yeah, that's that's where I'm at right now (laughs) all things home
1: love it love it love it love it well tell everyone where they can find you and support your work and all the things
0: oh thank you so much you can find me at if you want to connect on Instagram because I do love connecting on Instagram at Caitlin Curiosity uh the website is CaitlinCuriosity.com or if you love podcasts and you like conversational podcasts at are all over the place. I do that pretty well (laughs) over on (laughs) in repose. It's just, it's a space for us to talk about all things, intentional living. And I actually, I would love to have you on too, because I just feel like I I just want to hear, I just want to have more conversations like this that feel good and are real and authentic and messy. And again, like that's what life is about. And it feels so good to talk about it from that place. And I think especially I I know for myself for so long, like I wanted to put myself in that box within the wellness industry of like this perfection, this ultimate perfection. And like, I'm not that person. And it's, it's so, it feels so good to celebrate the imperfection and the messiness and the, yeah, just that just, that's what life is. And It feels really, really good to have conversations. So thank you so, so much for having me on because this is so much fun. (laughs) Thank you for coming. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
1: What did you think? I just love being able to talk to people about homesteading and um, we'll hope to be having more conversations about homesteading and, um, food sovereignty and all that kind of stuff in the next season. Um, but thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing this conversation with me and Caitlin, and I hope you follow her and support her work. And that's it, my loves. I will see you next year. If you'd like, you can follow me on Instagram at Let's Get Naked. You can hang out on my website. You can come hang out with me and become a member of the toolbox. Um, But if not, I will talk to you next year. And I hope you have the most incredible rest of your year. And I will see you in the spring. Much, much, much love to you.